Welcome to the SLP Talk Show. Real talk with Carrie about stuff that really matters. Hey, it's Carrie, your fast-talking, speech-therapy-loving host. While you are driving, cleaning, exercising, or whatever it is you do while listening to podcasts, I'm going to be chatting about pediatric speech therapy stuff. But I don't want our time together to feel like work or be boring. You already work enough, and you already have enough boring stuff to do in your life. So let's get going and have some fun. Hi, welcome to episode 28 of SLP Talk Show. Today, Jim and I are going to chat about an important school readiness skill. But before we get down to business, Jim, how about a quick game of chump or champ? Sounds good. All right, let's see how you do today. Uh, If you're new to the podcast, I ask Jim four questions. He gives me an answer and he is a champ if he gets four out of four. And if he doesn't, he's... Well, a chump. Chump. Yep. Okay, here we go. I think I think you have a really good shot at this one. Okay. okay. This be, right. being a champ. Here we yep. go. On what beverage? You like beverages. I do. Okay. On what beverage can you read old number seven brand on the label? Oh, it's Jack Daniels. <laughs> I knew you'd get that one. Yeah. Okay, I think you'll get this one too. What disease, known as the French disease, did Al Capone suffer and ultimately die from? Um, I believe it was syphilis. Yeah. Yep. It, it like ate his brain. Yeah, I that think. sounds like not a great way to go. No. He no. wasn't a very smart man <laughs> to begin with. All right, all right. Uh, question number three. What job did the seven dwarfs in Snow White have? Oh, uh, they were miners. Well, I am so impressed. Yeah. I... <laughs> okay, let's see if you can do it. This is for champ status. Okay, okay I'm ner- are you ready? nervous. I'm nervous. What is the stage name of Marshall Bruce Mathers III? Uh... Marshall Bruce Mathers the Third. How am I supposed to know that? Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, He's in the music business. Oh, Marshall Bruce Mathers the Third. I'm gonna say Sting. It's Eminem. Oh man. So I have to do. Don't you love my toy? <laughs> Well, Jim, that was a really good shot. I would have never got that last one, for sure. Well, yeah, it's, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. So now you know. Bruce Mathers something, whatever. Marshall Bruce Marshall, Mathers. Marshall Bruce Mathers. Maybe M&M, because it's M, and his last initial is M. Do you think that's why it's M&M? Maybe. I literally don't know. But anyways, sorry you're not a champ. Yeah. But you will always be a champ to me. Okay. Okay. I All appreciate right. that. <laughs> I feel much better now. Oh, good. Oh, good. All right, guys. So I uh, presented to a group of early childhood educators this week, and I did my course on building executive function skills in in early childhood, Mm -hmm. and it was very well received. Um, I kind of rocked their world a little bit, and so I thought I would talk a little bit about this really important term called school readiness, Mm -hmm. and I think it's what 
every parent wants for their young child, sure. right? As an early intervention provider, when I ask, you know, what do you want for your child? What are your, you know, what do you want us to do in our in this program for your child? And it usually has something to do with I want him to be ready for school. I mm-hmm. want him to be ready for kindergarten or I want him to catch up to his peers, right? So it's kind right. of that idea. But this whole uh, concept of school readiness kind of comes up a lot. And so when we say, I want my child to be ready for kindergarten or be ready for school, you know, what does that actually mean? Uh, Is being ready for school equal to having a set of early academic skills? Meaning, do you think young children need to have, you know, knowledge of letters, numbers, shapes, and colors? Is that what makes them ready for school? Mm -hmm. And that's what I think a lot of our society thinks, right? Right. That it's about reading, writing, it's about numeracy. So literacy and numeracy, it's um, about being quote unquote smart, right? So there's this drive. don't, Don't you think it's measurable too? You know, that's a really good point. And I think that's why everybody likes it because we can, we can say, oh, he can label 10 numbers and he can label five shapes and he can count to 30, right? So fits nicely on a checklist. It fits nicely on a checklist. And I think as parents and caregivers, it gives a way to say, here's some concrete knowledge that my child has, right? So it's easy Mm -hmm. to measure. It's concrete. It's not abstract, right? So uh, what I think, though, is that in our society, there's some confusion between the term school readiness and academic readiness. Mm. So I like to make this distinction. I think we hyper-focus in our society on academic readiness skills. Right. But I would argue that to have a child truly be ready for school, they have to have some foundational skills as well. So the cognitive hypothesis is something that has really kind of guided this preoccupation in our society with academic readiness. And the cognitive hypothesis started in the late 1990s with the birth of baby Einstein. And those DVDs came out and all of a sudden we had this new toy category called the baby educating toy category. And the whole concept was to try to start like make babies smarter faster. So we had baby Einstein. Give him a kickstart. Yeah. Brainy baby educational videos. Your baby can read program, right? All of these things came out in the late 1990s and it fueled this cognitive hypothesis. And the cognitive hypothesis has convinced society that the most important thing for a young child to be is smart. Mm -hmm. And by smart, we mean exactly what you said earlier, Jim, Things that are easily measurable, you know, Mm -hmm. that we can prove that my child is smarter than this child or is smarter today than he was three weeks ago because we've given him this educational app or this educational show or these educational toys and now he's smarter, right? Right. So there's been this push to make kids smarter faster. So the cognitive hypothesis basically expects babies to go from the womb to the classroom, learning letters, numbers, shapes, and colors, as if those were the very most important things in life. I like that. Womb to the room. Womb to the classroom. Yeah. I mean, it's like you go to the toy store, go to Walmart, Target, in the toy aisle, and look for toys for babies. Almost every single one of them are button-pushing, cause-and-effect, battery-operated toys that force-feed letters, numbers, shapes, and colors, as if a nine-month-old needs to learn those concepts. So we're already teaching to the test when they're nine months old. It's unbelievable. It is. Okay? So... If your child goes to kindergarten and can count to 100, can label all the colors and all the shapes. Yeah, you feel good about that. Yeah, and can write their name. Mm -hmm. But if the child struggles with foundation skills that actually help them learn, 
are they actually ready for school? Mm -hmm. Right. This is the question that I, I want people to start really thinking about. So I want to share with you some of the non-academic, foundational, learning to learn, executive function skills. Those are all names for basically the same set of skills right. Okay, that support school readiness. Okay, so here are a few of them. Focus and attention. Mm -hmm. I think we can all agree that that's an important learning to learn skill. Yeah, you can't learn if you can't pay attention. Right, right. Uh, independence. I'm pretty sure right. by the time kids get to kindergarten, their kindergarten teacher would appreciate if they can take their own coat off, put their own shoes on, right. use the restroom independently. They're using utensils at mealtime. All of those things are kind of expected. Kids mm -hmm. shouldn't need help opening their containers at lunchtime. If you're going to send a Capri Sun or a juice box, you better make sure your kid can open it. The teacher does not have time to go around to 25 kids and assist with these right. um, um, self-help skills, right? right? So independence is important. Communication. As a speech-language pathologist, one of the things I'm finding is that young children during that, you know, early language development period of life, they're learning to label. Mm -hmm. But labeling does not lead necessarily to functional communication. Right. Just because you can label pictures in a book or label pictures on a flashcard uh, uh, does not mean that you can communicate when you have a tummy ache or communicate when you're hungry or thirsty or be able to communicate why you're so sad right now, right? Mm -hmm. So communication is a really important foundational skill. Uh, following directions, and I'm talking multi-step directions. Teachers are gonna be saying things like, okay class, I need you to go get your crayons, grab a piece of paper, and meet me at the round table. Well, if you have problems with working memory, which is an executive function skill, mm -hmm. uh, you'll have uh, one or two kids who just show up at the table without their crayons, without their paper, because they couldn't hold all of those pieces of information in their working memory, sure. right? So being able to follow directions is not a, a specifically a receptive language skill. It is an executive function skill, all right? Uh, mental flexibility is another huge foundational executive function skill. We need children to be okay with with changes, with uh, playing with toys in different ways. We want to mm -hmm. encourage creativity and imagination because guess what? That all leads to innovative problem solving, mm -hmm. right? And that is a really critical learning to learn skill. We need persistence and resiliency. We need children to understand that in life you're going to fail. You're going to fail frequently. Mm -hmm. And when you fail, um, that's how we build your brain. It's one of my favorite sure. terms. Do you yeah. like that term, Jim? Build yeah, your I, brain. I love that. It's like when when you make a mistake, you you hopefully learn from that. You grow, and, and right? then you oh like oh I can't do it that way. I got to let me try it this way. Right. You know, and it's there's a lot of trial and error in playing and, and everything that in you sports, do in sports, in life, yeah. in everything. In very young children, let's take a toddler for example who's learning to stack blocks, and as they're maybe trying to build, you know. Um, I don't know, a tower or something and it keeps falling over and they get frustrated, what we want to see is that maybe they start making the base a little bit bigger, you know, mm -hmm. building a sturdier base on which to build. And so that's that why kind of play. problem solving. Yes, yeah. yes, it's huge. But it also is when your blocks fall over, don't cry and throw the blocks and say, I hate playing blocks, right? Mm -hmm. We need persistence and resiliency. I love to use, you know, those little rubber bouncy balls we used to play with when we were kids? Yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, the Super Bowl. Thank you. That's what they're called. I really like using that as an analogy for what we mean by resiliency because mm -hmm. in life you're going to fall right. but just like a bouncy ball a super ball you're going to get back up and you're going to do it again over and over and over in life and that's what we want to build and that's why play-based learning is so important mm -hmm. other foundational non-academic um, learning to learn skills uh, would be things like impulse control 
Mm-hmm. Right, being yeah. able to stop yourself, inhibit uh, a response. Uh, we need emotional regulation. I think it's really important for children uh, by kindergarten to be able to be told no and not cry. Right, right. being yeah. able to hold it together, being able to um, communicate, uh, negotiate. Uh, uh, you know, kind of problem solve with words, right? It's very important that you have those skills instead of just melting down. Don't you think you have to have like a level of understanding of like right and wrong and right and stuff wrong like that? And you know, I mean, does that play into... It does a little bit. And also like perspective taking. Right. Right. Knowing that when I hit my friend that that, you know, is, is, is something that hurts them. And mm-hmm. so emotional regulation is important. And then the one I really want to talk about is the ability to wait. Okay. Waiting is a life skill, is mm-hmm. it not? Yes. I mean, even as adults, Patience. how much of our life do we spend waiting, mm-hmm. right? Waiting, waiting, waiting. Uh, you know if an adult struggles with uh, waiting if they have road rage, right? right? If you're in traffic and it's rush hour and you're honking your horn and screaming and cursing at you know, fellow drivers... Um, the, the problem is you clearly have a problem with waiting patiently, right? Mm-hmm. We all have to wait in yeah. traffic jams, right? Yep. We all have to wait at red lights. We all have to um, uh, understand that there's sometimes nothing we can do about that. So waiting is the topic that I really would like to get into because it's a life skill. And waiting is about the ability to delay gratification. Okay. How important is that in life oh, to build that skill? I think it's huge. You don't get everything right now. No. I know there are things you want right now, but you have to learn to wait and the way here's how the brain works all right the ner- our nervous system is so fascinating you have synaptic connections that are formed at a very rapid rate and they're formed most rapidly uh, uh before age five okay mm-hmm. so you're growing your brain that is the time in life when you're growing your brain very rapidly so synaptic connections um and, and skills that get used frequently those synaptic connections get strengthened but when skills are not used very often the brain starts to prune away those synaptic connections that aren't used very often. So in this day of instant gratification, mm-hmm. of a technology where you can get everything right now, right? Whatever you want to watch, you don't, you know, you get it right now. You can binge watch. You don't have to wait for next week right. to watch the next episode of, mm-hmm. you know, a show you want to watch. Or if you want to order something on Amazon, we get mad if it can't be here tomorrow, right? Like we want everything right now. Mm-hmm. So technology has kind of started pruning our synaptic connections that teaches us and makes us practice waiting. So we want to make sure that in early childhood that we are providing opportunities for young children to practice waiting, to practice controlling their impulses, to practice self-regulation. So as babies, toddlers, preschoolers, I wanted to give parents and caregivers uh, who are listening some examples of opportunities during the day where you can help your child develop the skill of waiting Mm -hmm. okay so here are some really important ones not giving your phone or your tablet to your child when they're riding in the car now here's my rule of thumb for watching shows or playing on devices in the car after you've been in the car for let's say over an hour you know if you're on a road trip Mm -hmm. um i i think there's no problem with you know uh kind of I don't know, breaking up the monotony of a long road trip, you know, with a show or, you know, um, uh, some time on the phone or whatever. But if your child is riding from your home to daycare and it's a 20-minute trip, your child shouldn't need to be entertained during that 20 minutes. So that's one of the greatest times where you can have your child learn to practice waiting. So what they're going to do is actually either 
engage in conversation with you, right? You could sing songs. You could just be still and as the young child look out the window, you Mm -hmm. know, and notice things in the environment. As the parent, you could point out things. Oh, look at the school bus. Oh, look, there's two school buses. Oh, I wonder what they're building. Look at that big excavator or digger, you know, whatever. I can remember, you know, when the kids were little, we'd be on trips or something and they would just they'd look at something they'd ask me questions yep and so he would have you know and why is why is that when they're really young Mm -hmm. yeah what is that dad Mm -hmm. or what Mm -hmm. is that you know what's that big thing over there Mm -hmm. you know and we would have these conversations they just kind of happened naturally just because they were just noticing their environment Mm -hmm. you know as we're driving through whatever wherever we're driving you know they see different things if we're out in the country if we're in the city or they say look oh look at that you know and they're talking to each other. And, yeah, it was great. You know, I, I don't think it has to be the, something that you have to like set up. You have to plan. So no, I think it's naturally going to happen. I think it will if they're not distracted by Technology. a screen, yeah. right? Because once they're on their screen and nowadays, boy, they put their headphones on and everything. You yeah, know they're what I completely mean? oblivious they are to their surroundings. disengaged from mm-hmm. everything. They're disengaged from the other people in the car. They're disengaged from their environment. So if we could just limit um, screen time in the car, it will help them learn to wait. Mm-hmm. Another time when I would it's a great time to practice waiting is to not give your child your phone or tablet when you're at the grocery store. If you have a toddler in the cart and you're, you know, cruising around the grocery store, Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, the grocery store is filled with some of the most amazing things to talk about. You have all the different fruits and vegetables and foods and the vocabulary and the language opportunities in the cart. Give your child uh, the grocery list to hold and, and you can just ask them, Oh, what's next on the list? And even if they can't read, they're holding the list. So they now have a competent role and you can say, Oh, we have to find orange. Do you see the oranges? Where are the oranges? And you can just pause and let the child look around and participate in grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. You can hand them something that isn't, you know, glass or fragile or breakable, and they can turn around and put it in the cart. You know, they can, they can, if they're old enough, they can get down and they can help you, you know, right. get get items to put in the cart. Well, and and I think that there's a certain degree of novelty to it when when yep. you're when you're little and you haven't been to the store a thousand times right. like we have. <laughs> or 10,000, right. <laughs> um, then, you know, that new experience is something pretty cool, I think. And I just love that you said that because one of my favorite terms is varied experiences. Mm-hmm. And you just nailed it, Jim, because to you and I, going to the store is not a varied experience anymore. No. I mean, we go all the time. But to a young child with a developing brain and body, that is a varied experience. Can I tell my my shopping philosophy? Oh, oh, well, your shopping philosophy is yeah much different from mine. But yes, it's speed, (laughs) pure speed. Yep. Like I went to I went to Walmart last week, and I was in and out in two and a half minutes. See, but you don't do the bulk of the grocery shopping. I I know. I was there for one thing, and I got it, (laughs) and I got out. I, I I think actually I was probably in there less than a minute took you longer to walk to your it, car yeah, and- <laughs> no that's that that's literally what happened it took me longer to walk from my car to get into walmart than it did for me to find what i needed and get checked out and leave so oh, and i that's, like that's always my goal i like long leisurely strolls oh, yeah. through the yeah grocery let's store. let's go up and down especially aisle. the wine aisle yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. Other times where your child can practice waiting is not giving them a phone or tablet while at the restaurant, right? If it's a sit-down restaurant. Do you remember back in the day when they used to have tables that had paper 
tablecloth so we could play tic-tac-toe mm-hmm. and we yeah. could draw and yeah. you know uh, uh so uh, the other thing uh, another location would be like at the pediatrician's office mm-hmm. when you have to wait i just want you to think about if you're ever in a line or you're ever at a you know at a in a location where your child has to wait what we tend to do today because it's easy is just give them our phone give right. them our screen give them a tablet mm-hmm. the problem is it is not teaching the life skill of waiting so mm-hmm. when kids go to school to the classroom here's the problem when children aren't practicing waiting at home mm-hmm. and then they go to school and I promise you they will be expected to wait right. multiple times a day. Right. So do you understand we're setting them up for failure? We're setting them up because they're going to have behaviors because they don't have the synaptic connections that are strengthened for learning how, you know, for being able to wait. Right. So it's a new kind of stress that they oh, haven't, they haven't experienced stress. before. So yep. it's understandable that they may react adversely to it right. because, you know, they haven't had that at home. Right, right. And stress impedes learning. Okay, so that's important to understand. Anything that causes your child stress, that's Mm -hmm. not okay because stress impedes learning. So please, I'm begging you, please provide opportunities during the day for your child to practice waiting. Here's a couple other times during the day. How about having a scheduled snack instead of like sometimes kids are allowed to just graze. Like Mm -hmm. maybe they put a bowl of you know, fishy crackers and fruit snacks on the the table in the living room and kids are allowed to graze all day. Mm-hmm. Well, at, at, at preschool and in kindergarten, if they have snack time, it's not going to be grazing. They have scheduled right. snack time. Yeah. So That's if your point. child is like, ah, oh, fishy crackers, fishy crackers, you say, oh, we have a snack at 10 o'clock or we have a snack at 3 o'clock. Yeah, they're not used to And that. they go, but I want fishy crackers. You say, oh, I know you do and they're going to be so yummy. And when it's 10 o'clock, we'll have our snack. Right. So mm-hmm. I know this is different from what then you know what a lot of people do, but I'm just trying to help families and caregivers understand how important this is for school readiness. Okay. Yeah. Another that's, time that's great. another time during the day would be have scheduled screen time that has a definitive beginning and ending point. So iPad, mama, I want iPad. And you say, Oh, you can have your iPad after nap. So, you know, oh, but I want I want show, iPad, you know, whatever they're asking for. You can let them have it, but it should be a thirty minute period where you, you know, so when you get up from your nap, you can watch Bluey or you can watch, you know, whatever the show is. So basically there should be a a, a, a beginning point where we turn the iPad on or the TV on, they watch their show and when it's over okay it's time to turn it off right mm-hmm. so that they have to learn to wait and then they wait for the next scheduled time instead okay. of giving children um, unrestricted access to screen time okay yeah. what we should be teaching is something called media mindfulness mm-hmm. and we as adults still need to learn it right we're still figuring yeah. out yeah. how to and i think that's a perfect way to teach waiting is yep. that Okay, you can look forward to this. Yep. And you can wait, you can anticipate it. Right. And then when it comes, then, then it's you're, so awesome. You know, it brings you this joy. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you also, as parents and caregivers, I would encourage you to think about allowing your child plenty of opportunities every day to get bored. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is please don't overschedule. Right. Young children, okay? Young oh, children yeah. don't need to be going to adult-directed enrichment t- activities all day long. You know, if they already go to preschool, they don't also have to go to dance class and gymnastics class and martial arts class and cooking class and music class and, oh my goodness, like one extracurricular is probably yeah. plenty for a young child. Young children need opportunities for boredom when screen time is not an option, though. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying they are bored and then we just let them watch TV all day. I'm talking about 
playtime, yeah. outdoor playtime, right? Uh, unstructured, free playtime is what young children need. So the last thing I want to chat about then is what about children who need help learning to wait? What about children with sensory differences? Okay. What about our neurodivergent children who really are struggling with waiting in the car, waiting at the restaurant, and mm-hmm. get maybe very vocal, you know, maybe have meltdowns because this waiting is more than they can handle. Right. Because for those kiddos... We have figured out that screen time does occupy them, right? It keeps them calm. It keeps them regulated in the moment. So I I know that there's going to be a lot of people saying, oh, but we should just still be able to give them unrestricted screen time if it helps regulate them. But here's my concern. Is that what we're going to do at school? Are we then saying that when they get to school, we want to have, um, you know, unrestricted iPad time that doesn't coincide with the curriculum are we okay you know what i mean we have to make sure that whatever skills we're teaching they lead to school readiness Mm -hmm. okay because that's what everybody wants i want my my young child to be ready for school so if your child needs help learning to wait here are some strategies first of all you should always have a busy bag ready to go if you're leaving home if you're leaving to go to an appointment where you're going to wait going to a restaurant going to church you know Mm -hmm. any place where children aren't allowed to or aren't where loud noises and a lot of movement aren't welcome. Does that make sense? So there's a lot of restaurants, theaters, you know, libraries, things like that. So please create a a small busy bag. And this is going to be filled with quiet, um, small toys, small books, not big giant books, but, you know, like little little square books. Um, You want to have this to-go bag of special items that are really only given to the child when you're out and about. So they're not, you're not just going to pick up toys on the floor that they've been playing with all day. This is a special bag, right? It's the to-go bag. It's the busy bag. It stays in the car or it stays in your diaper bag or, you know, it's somewhere where the child doesn't have access to it because novelty is the spice of life, right? right. So yeah. having, yeah. now if your child, for example, autistic children often have um, comfort items that they carry with them. Like our son, Aaron, he loved those little colored bears, you know, those mm-hmm. little sorting bears. And we have hundreds of them. I mean, so right. I just always made sure I had a handful of those. So in case he didn't bring them with him, right, that mm-hmm. he had that, some comfort items. Um, other things you can do is really think about singing a song. Sometimes there are some kind of scripted songs that are calming to children or maybe they have a favorite book that you know is very calming so think about uh uh, singing or reading to the child while you're waiting uh if you're home and you need the child to wait let's say it's not snack time yet and it's 15 minutes till snack time and they're like but i want my snack and you're like buddy we have 15 minutes and then Mm -hmm. we'll have snack one of my go-to things uh, that i tell families is just add water I'm telling you, if you give little kids water to play with, they will wait because it's such a wonderful, calming, soothing, sensory experience. So letting your child just play in the water in the sink, Mm -hmm. washing dishes, and I say that in air quotes, it's not your glass dishes, but putting some plastic Tupperware, wooden spoons, you know, little little plastic animals, give them a bath, put your Hot Wheels cars in there, add a turkey baster. I'm telling you, Aaron, our son, he loves turkey basters. You know, it's great for building fine motor skill Mm -hmm. and strength, but they... If you just give them water, let them take a little a little plastic bowl of water and some little toys and put it on the deck. I know it doesn't seem like much. Little kids love water, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a way to give them something to do while they wait. Other things you can do um, is use or offer a weighted lap pad. So Aaron has a four-pound gecko. Do you know what I'm talking about, Jim? Yep. It's that 
turquoise, blue, bright blue, blue and it's a yeah. gecko, and it sits across his lap. And so um, weighted lap pads can help children while they're sitting in the car seat, you know, waiting on a long trip, while they're waiting um, maybe for an appointment in a waiting room at the doctor's office while sitting in church. Mm-hmm. So that deep pressure provided by weight is calming and mm-hmm. soothing to the nervous system. Yep. Uh, heavy work. I would encourage you to allow your child to engage in some heavy work uh, before they're expected to sit. So before you go into the pediatrician's office to mm-hmm. wait, you want to do like some, maybe stop at the park for 15 minutes, right? So you really want to think about hanging from monkey bars or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe lifting heavy items, maybe, you know, putting um, uh, some, I don't know, pushing the trash can out to the, to the curb before you go. You want to think about heavy work activity uh, that will help regulate the nervous system before a time for sitting is expected. Uh, sometimes music, you know, just having soothing music on in the car, sure. okay, yeah. can be calming. Uh, quiet fidgets. Uh, I have, I don't know, they're all over um, our, our office here, Jim. But you know, like those little springs. Do you remember those little springs? Yep. He, I still carry them in my purse, and they don't make any noise. They're just called finger springs. But you can right. pull them, stretch them, wrap them around your finger. So quiet fidgets, not like noisy fidgets, you know, but mm-hmm. just little things that you can have in church. You can have while you're waiting at the grocery store. Um, are, are fabulous. Uh, a couple more things. One is a visual schedule. If your child has, has trouble waiting and wants everything now, I want mm-hmm. it now, means they're having difficulty delaying gratification. And so showing them a visual schedule can be extremely helpful. So they know right now we're having snack, next we're playing outside, then we're watching a show. Do you know what I mean? So right. if they can see it, and sometimes you need to be able to cross it off, you know, where so they'll remove it with Velcro and put it away so they see. But visuals are very helpful. And then the last thing um, would be using things like timers, countdowns, uh, those sand timers. Aaron uses that still to this day um, for things like he uses it now to know how long to brush his teeth, you know, because, but visuals have always been very important for him. But if it's 15 minutes till snack time, you could set the timer on your phone. Everybody has a timer because everybody has a phone. So set the timer on your phone and let them know when the timer goes off, we can watch our show. We can play outside. We can have our snack, whatever it is. So anyways, I hope that's helpful, guys. I just thought it would be a really great topic uh, to talk about the life skill of learning how to wait. Sounds good. All right. So thanks for listening to another episode of SLP Talk Show. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review. We love to hear your feedback. Uh, As you go back into the real world, be kind, be accepting. And don't be a boob. Get your boobies checked. All right. Make sure you get your annual mammogram. Uh, Early detection could save your life. It certainly saved mine. Until we meet again, cheers.